you're not the boss of me now and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today we're talking about College Recruiters, which originally aired January 20th, 2006, was directed by Peter Lauer and written by Jake Hogan. Hi, I'm Jake and I play bass for Ass Bandit. <laughs> And I'm David, and we're not going to let the U.S. government smash this podcast with a shoe. <laughs> well, before we get into this week's episode, we have our community segment where we have some poll results to look back on. And we are looking at the results for Malcolm's Money. And for that episode, you chose Reese as least shitty kid. For standing up for elder rights uh-huh. in the old folks' home, while I chose Malcolm by process of elimination, and the internet agreed with you. Haha! Yeah. Reese won with sixty-six percent of the vote, with the remainder being split between my choice of Malcolm and Francis, who did not appear in the episode. <laughs> Some real Josh from Des Moines vibes still going on. I see. Always, David. And for shittiest kid, I chose Dewey for his involvement in the conspiracy to steal Malcolm's money, while you chose Malcolm for helping with uh, whatever the creepy photo shoot was. Listen, it concerns me. As you just out of nowhere decided we could judge characters based on off-screen activity. Shut up, Jake. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> the internet agreed with me. What? Dewey won with 57% of the vote with a single vote going to Francis, Reese, and Malcolm. That's insane. <laughs> that makes sense. Dewey was shitty. But Malcolm and that photo shoot, it's so wrong. Mm, I don't know. It happened off screen, David. When the creepy school photographer is saying it's creepy. Well, he did it. Malcolm did. Malcolm said it, but he didn't disagree. <laughs> and that is about as strong a logic as you get in a Jake argument, like 85% of the time. So I'm seeing some real bias here. I mean, yeah, obviously people are biased towards me, David. I'm me. I'm lovable. You're the worst is what you are. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into this week's episode. And as is custom, David, uh huh, we will begin with the Francis plotline, which, as is custom, must be named the F plot. Well, kind of, but not really. Is it is it the F plot for failure? Uh, close. Okay, you're very close. It's the FTL plotline for failure to launch. I hate you, David, for so many reasons. <laughs> Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> How many times have I guessed that? Oh, dude, so many times. <laughs> oh, so perfect. Fuck you. Why? Why ever would you say that, Jacob? It's the F plot, David. TL plot. FTL. Mm. FTL. Mm. No. No, the always having it, the F plot. Francis lost that. When he lost his mind and got an evil clone and all of that weird stuff. None of that happened. 
Stop buying into Eric's propaganda, David. You know, <laughs> I'm not buying into it, but I'm saying this episode had some real evil twin vibes. <laughs> he does have an evil goatee. <laughs> but we'll get to that. <laughs> As this plotline starts with Dewey coming into the kitchen with his bags packed, which when he informs Hal, yeah, my, my bags are packed, I am ready to go. Hal just looks at him and asks, where are you going? <laughs> As usual, having no idea what's going on. As a dad, this tracks. <laughs> I don't ever know what's going on with anything ever. People don't tell me things till it's like <laughs> at that moment. And Lois tells him that Dewey is going off to spend some time with Francis. And she gives Dewey his instructions for the bus. Which are to uh, not talk to anyone, and if someone tries to sit next to you, you should try to look sickly and learning impaired, and nose picking is encouraged. Gross. Then the last little bit of advice she gives is, and if you're several hours into the bus trip and you've been, uh, you know, holding it in to go to the bathroom the whole time, what do you do? And Dewey says, still not go. She says, that's right. <laughs> and we then follow Dewey as he arrives at Francis's apartment, which is a uh, very bachelor pad E. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has like an old school, like tiny TV, uh, the... Only furniture consists of, like, a couple camping chairs and a stolen park bench. <laughs> and uh, instead of a fridge in the kitchen, there's just a, like, propped up on its side cooler. <laughs> and Dewey, like, looks around and asks, this is your apartment? And when Francis says, yeah, it's great, isn't it? Uh, Dewey asks, where's Fiamma? <laughs> and Francis says, uh, her sister's in prison. Or is marrying someone in prison? I don't know. She bought a dress. <laughs> then, uh, Dewey asks Francis about his facial hair, which is like a very patchy beard with a, like, full goatee that's, like, braided into, like, two braids. <laughs> and Francis explains that he couldn't find a job and he felt like something was missing, so he decided to grow this beard so he would stand out. Which, Dewey says, mission accomplished. <laughs> and Dewey, like, lists, you know, uh, so this is how you live with no fridge, no furniture, your only decoration is a stolen park bench? It's perfect! <laughs> it's exactly how he wants to live when he grows up. And Francis tells him, you know, it, it's not easy cultivating this kind of life. <laughs> and he asks Dewey if he wants to listen to some music. And when Dewey says, sure, he like uh, knocks on the wall next to them and yells at his neighbor to turn that crap down. <laughs> Which, of course, causes their neighbor to uh, crank the music up. <laughs> and then Francis like brags about his neighbor's subwoofer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah then uh, we see Francis and Dewey coming back to the apartment 
after an attempt at a day out. And they are both like wearing swimming trunks and have towels. And Francis is apologizing that things didn't go as planned. But Dewey says it's fine. Sometimes it's best to see a water park from a distance. <laughs> they had to go and patch up that hole in the fence. That's right. And uh, Dewey says, you know, I would have loaned you the $6 to get in. But Francis says, you know, no, I don't roll like that. It's bad enough that you're buying me dinner tonight. <laughs> then uh, Dewey asks, uh, so what, uh, what do we do then? And Francis suggests that they wrestle, which Dewey asks for seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> WrestleMania. <laughs> then the landlord pounds on the door, demanding Francis's rent. And Francis says that he can't open the door right now, and he like quietly tells Dewey start barking. <laughs> and Dewey starts like barking and howling. As Francis tells his landlord, uh, it's this dog that I have. He's crazy and huge. And then Francis, like, slams his shoulder into the door. And it works as the landlord says, you better have that money in my mailbox in the next 48 hours and leaves. And uh, without missing a beat, you know, clearly indicating this is a common occurrence for him, Francis turns to Dewey and asks, so, freestyle or Greco-Roman? <laughs> Then, the next time we see these two, Francis is stealing cable from one of his neighbors who's out of town. <laughs> and uh, Dewey suggests that, you know, instead of watching cable all day, uh, they should go to the job center. And Francis says, ah, I see what it is. You're worried about your big brother. Well, I'll be fine. I've got some uh, irons in the fire. <laughs> and he says, like my screenplay. And he pulls out his screenplay and hands it to Dewey like very quickly like flips through it and says this is five pages <laughs> Francis says they're probably just gonna hire some big shot to rewrite it anyway so why should I do the work for them <laughs> and uh, Dewey asks okay do you have anything else going and Francis says of course, I know how Hollywood is. I'd be an idiot to put all my eggs in that basket. I've also been training a possum <laughs> Please tell me that's not true. <laughs> when Dewey asks him what he's training this possum to do, he says, uh, dial numbers on a phone, walk like John Wayne. Uh, he says one other thing, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> he, he says it's, uh, you know, stuff that people would like to see at a roadside circus. <laughs> God. <laughs> And at that point, Dewey tells Francis he has to get a life. And Francis says that he sounds just like Lois, to which Dewey responds, maybe mom has a point. Which goes over as well as you would expect with Francis. As uh, then Dewey says, you know, uh, jobs don't just fall out of the sky. And Francis says that he hates him and, like, stomps away. Then Dewey is, like, talking to Francis through the bathroom door. As Francis has locked himself in the bathroom. And Dewey says, you know, clearly coming here was a mistake. And he thanks him for, you know, trying to show him a good time. <laughs> and... Uh, Dewey says, you know, I only need the money to for the bus ride home. I'm leaving the rest for you. 
And he, like, pulls the money out of his wallet for Francis. <laughs> but Francis calls out for him to wait, and when he opens the bathroom door, Francis is now clean-shaven and wearing a suit. Yeah, because this is Francis. I, uh, yeah, that's all Francis. Did. No. There's only one Francis. No. We definitely saw evil Francis here. I'm starting to buy into Eric's weirdness. Maybe Eric knew. I bet you Eric helped him. Eric is a known monster. It's probably how he knew. <laughs> he was helping the evil twin. <sighs> yes, Jake? <laughs> trying to ignore your nonsense and move past it, David. Wow. <laughs> it's not my nonsense. It's Eric's. Yeah, but you're going along with it now. I'm not. I'm not going along with it. I'm just saying we have to consider options. So, <laughs> Francis tells Dewey that, you know, he was right, that he's just been, you know, waiting around for his life to start, and he has to accept that, you know, a job's not just going to fall into his lap. And, of course, as soon as he says that, a job falls into his lap. Uh, naturally. As there's a knocking at the door. And when Francis answers it, it is uh, his friend Travis who tells him that his band, Ass Bandit, uh, got a song on the radio and a record deal. And it's all because Francis was always telling them to rock on. That's right. <laughs> he offers Francis a job as the band's manager because he, you know, kept them on the straight and narrow by always borrowing their money so they didn't have enough to drink. And taking their car so they couldn't leave and they had to stay here and practice. <laughs> Such a supportive friend. Exactly. <laughs> and he says, and now we have a tour in Europe. And he tells Francis to come along. All he has to do is, uh, you know, make sure that the hotel rooms are nice and the chicks are hot. And Francis says, I don't know. It seems like a lot of travel. All right. What the hell? <laughs> And Dewey watches all of this play out in, like, open-mouthed amazement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then the spotlight ends with Dewey back at home with Lois lecturing him because he failed an English test. And she's, you know, telling him that, uh, you know, he fails this and that's going to affect how he's placed in high school and that'll affect the colleges he can get into. And that'll affect the jobs that he gets. You know, his whole life is dependent on right now. But Dewey tells her that she just doesn't get it. These things take care of themselves. <laughs> and then he, like, does a little dance and says, rock on, and walks away. Yeah, it's like the little, like, head bob weird. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> uh, oh, Dewey. And uh, that wraps up that plot line. So from there, we will go to the re-centered. Ah, yes. Um, hmm. <laughs> Which I think you have named the FTL plot for failure to launch. <laughs> uh, so Jake, <laughs> you're going to be yes. real mad. Because it was originally named the FTL Failure to Launch, but I thought you were going to be pissed off if I did FTL for all three of them. 
But at one point, I was considering doing failure to launch all three times. Damn, David, that's what I was going to do. Uh, <laughs> it's going to get to the last one, too. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, and then that way, the only one that wouldn't be... Oh, I'm sad I told you now. Anyways, um, <laughs> no, I am sticking to the theme, which should make you happy if you figure it out. But uh, this is the GC plotline for Green Card. Okay. Uh, and... <laughs> This plotline starts with Lois complaining about Ida for just showing up and uh, hooking Reese up with this Eastern European bimbo. (laughs) And she calls Ida a reptile, saying that she can't believe her leg hasn't grown back yet. (laughs) God, that's such a good insult. (laughs) It is. And she starts plotting Ida's murder. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that there won't even be an investigation. She's old. When a young person dies, they look into it. When an old person dies, that's just nature. (laughs) It's creepy how right she is. But Hal tells her to look on the bright side. At least Reese is being more independent now. Which Lois counters, saying living in the garage isn't being independent. But Hal says, yeah, but think about it. Malcolm's about to graduate and go off to college. Francis is married to Piyama. Now Reese is married. We're almost done. But then Lois says, no, we're not. We still have Dewey and Jamie. And (laughs) Hal goes, oh, right. (laughs) Yikes. Then Reese comes in and invites them to a garage warming party. As Raduka said that that's the polite thing to do. And when Hal asks, uh, what are they having? Uh, Reese says, I don't know. He opens up the fridge and starts pulling stuff out. Specifically bologna, uh, half a uh, two liter of diet soda, and some crackers. And uh, he, like, lists all of the things he's taking as he does, as you know, their uh, menu for the evening. <laughs> then, as they're about to go to this garage warming, Lois is telling Hal that she's not going to be rude. She's just going to politely tell them both that their marriage is a sham and must be dissolved. <laughs> <laughs> Which Hal tells her... Uh, I don't know. Remember when my mom tried that? Uh, that really backfired. <laughs> <laughs> that explains so much. But Lois says there's no other option. She can't let them just live like hobos in their filthy garage. Then they open the door to the garage, which has been, like, cleaned up and converted into a, like, nice-looking living space. And Lois compliments Raduka, saying uh, she did a great job cleaning this place up. But she says, actually, it was Reese. (laughs) Which, Reese says, well, I can't take all the credit. We both stomped that spider nest. God. (laughs) Raduka then says, ah, our honeymoon. (laughs) (laughs) And as they're walking in, Lois, like, looks at the desk and... Uh, comments on, you know, there being completed homework on it. 
And Reese explains that Raduka won't let him watch TV until he does all of his homework. Then he turns to Hal and goes, wives, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the look on Hal's face is like, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, I love the stunned disbelief. Then uh, as Lois is about to like pull her chair out to sit down, Raduka yells at Reese, just yelling, chair! <laughs> so that he pulls it out for Lois. Then we see them, like, finishing up their dinner as Hal is, like, eating some and saying uh, that this is the uh, best bologna and wheat-thin casserole he's ever had. <laughs> and uh, then Raduka, like, explains that they are studying for the green card test. And that the, she and Reese have to learn everything about each other, like each other's favorite color and toilet habits, and her menstrual cycle, which, when she says that, I, like, pushes his plate away and says, and I'm done. Oh, <laughs> uh, how? And Raduka, like, once again yells at Reese, just yelling, plates, <laughs> to get Reese to clear the table. And as Raduka, like, uh, takes the, like, pot after, while well, uh, Reese is, like, cleaning the dishes, uh, Hal and Lois have, like, a little side conversation. As Lois says, yeah, do you see how she treats him? And Hal says, yeah, our Reese is gone. And then Lois says, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> She's broken his spirit. <laughs> then the next time we come to this plot line, Raduka is making Reese study for the green card test. Uh, specifically, she is making him study her breasts. Yep. She's just like sitting naked and... Tells Reese he has to memorize every beauty mark, the numbers, and location. God. Then we see Reese walk into the garage, and he finds uh, Raduka naked, and she, like, covers herself quickly. And uh, Reese immediately goes, oh no, not more study. <laughs> but then uh, he hears, you know, someone else in the garage with her. And a half-naked man, like, steps out where Reese can see him. And yeah, she says, uh, this is Bella. I've known him for years because he's my brother. <laughs> then uh, Reese says, uh, I can't believe you. Your brother's in town and you didn't tell me? <laughs> and uh, he hugs Bella, <laughs> like, looks... Over at Raduka, like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, fair enough. Like, very obvious to, you know, anyone what's happening here. Except yes. Reese. <laughs> <laughs> I also have, like, a headcanon that Bella can't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. I can see Because we never that. see him talk, right? That is true. And he does seem, like, very unconcerned with, like, Reese. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can get behind this theory, I think. Okay. Then Malcolm is, like, reading outside, and Reese comes over and tells him, uh, I hope I didn't keep you up with all the noise last night. And Malcolm says, ah, I don't want to hear about your sex life. And Reese says, what? No, I was cleaning the stains out of the driveway. And he tells Malcolm that marriage isn't just about sex. It's about commitment. And uh, besides, there's the waiting period. 
<laughs> which when Malcolm asks what waiting period, Bree says that, you know, all women have a waiting period after they get married of six months to a year. <laughs> when Malcolm like tells him that's not a thing Reese says you know if you'd get your nose out of a book and live a little you would notice things going on around you for once and <laughs> of course as Reese is lecturing Malcolm on you know not knowing about real life Bella has come out once again half naked to like stretch and then do pull ups on the uh, like basketball hoop and when Malcolm asks, who's that? Reese says that it's Raduka's brother. And Malcolm says, I don't know. They don't really look alike. Reese says, see, Malcolm, uh, th this is what I mean. I've never seen two people closer than those two. <laughs> <laughs> then Reese takes the groceries that he was holding during his conversation with Malcolm. And he tells Lois that he's replacing all of the food that they used for their garage warming party. Because uh, Ratuka told him to. And he starts exactly replacing what he took. Having counted the bologna slices. Which he like stuffs a bunch into his mouth. So that's the, you know, correct amount left behind. And then he says, and uh, half a two liter of soda. And he just like opens it and starts pouring it down the sink. <laughs> Yeah, so, oh, man. Oh, I'm not gonna lie, that triggered me a little bit. <laughs> like, no. That's Mountain Dew, it's fine. It's perfectly good soda. No, it's he Mountain Dew. He literally went to the store and bought soda to pour it down the drain. <laughs> that makes me so angry. He's returning exactly what he took, David. <laughs> you would defend his actions, Jake, wouldn't you? Hmm. Weird. Maybe the people need to remember that. <laughs> it makes sense in a Reese sort of way. <laughs> mm. I mean, I guess you're right in that it makes sense if you're a serial killer. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think wasting soda is the equivalent. <laughs> you're right. It's worse. <laughs> Listen, at least with serial killers, I can I can understand it. Like people are irritating, man. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> I do think this would bother me more if it wasn't Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it would. Cuz dude, it's it's just so Oh my god. Oh, I hate it so much. That's fair. <laughs> then Lois tells Reese that, uh, you know, I was originally against your marriage, but I've really come around. I think Raduka's good for it. And Reese immediately says, oh, no, I know what you're doing. This is reverse psychology and it's not going to work. And Lois says, you know, no, I actually mean it. I like her and I think you're a better person with her in your life. And Reese says, uh-huh, sure you do. And she says, yes, I do. <laughs> they, like, go back and forth until uh, Reese uh, uh, finally, like, tells her uh, checkmate as he walks away, thinking that he has bested Lois with her reverse psychology tactics. <laughs> <laughs> then 
this plotline ends with uh, Reese sitting on the couch holding the envelope with the results for the green card test. And he is too nervous to open it. And uh, Lois, like, walks in and finds him there. And Reese says that he got really nervous and he just knows he screwed it up and failed the test. But Lois tells him, you know, don't worry about it. I'm sure you're fine. Uh, you know, the, these tests are for uh, people who, you know, aren't living together and aren't really in love. And since you have a real marriage, you'll be fine. Oh, and she <laughs> opens the results for him. <laughs> As she's reading it, she says, Oh no, I'm so sorry, Reese, and like shakes her head. And Reese says, Don't keep me waiting, how did I do? <laughs> <laughs> and Lois explains that uh, yeah, he failed the test, and that immigration uh, you know, wants them to come in, and they don't think that their marriage is valid. And then as she, like, gets to the bottom, she says, Oh my god, you thought she had a tail? <laughs> Reese replies, I said she might have a tail. I don't know what's going on back there. <laughs> oh, Reese. <laughs> and uh, Lois, like, gives him a speech saying, you know, uh, you're... You're not going to let this uh, end your marriage. If you really love this girl, you'll find a way past this hurdle. Do you remember when you uh, had that tarantula and I told you you couldn't keep it? Uh, what crawled into my salad six months later? Henry says, my tarantula. And she says, that's right, because you loved it. So you found a way to keep it. And that's where your intro line comes from. <laughs> she says, we're not going to let the U.S. government stomp on Raduka with, or uh, smash Raduka with a shoe. Yeah. Then they go out to the garage to talk to Raduka about it. And they, like, open the door and step in, and immediately Raduka screams. And Lois yes, yells, oh my god. And Reese uh, just asks, why doesn't your brother have a waiting period? Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so that whole Reese is gay theory, like. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th this is the last episode that, like, I had filed away, like, from memory as a strong evidence for that theory episode. Oh, man. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Like, all of his, like, desire for, like, sex with a woman is, like, entirely theoretical. And just, like, his complete disinterest in seeing Raduka naked and treating it as a chore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I thought that part was kind of weird, because I'm like, wait. But Reese is always, like... I was like, man, there may be something to this theory. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but uh, that that wraps that plotline up, leaving only the titular Malcolm and Hal-centered plotline, which uh, I, I I haven't thought of a theme that you have going. Interesting. So so, so that doesn't help me. So I, I I think you just called this the B for bribery plotline. Please, Jake, come on. This is this is clearly the FTL plotline for failure to launch. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, 
No. God, I wish it had done that dumb bit now. I am so sad that I went back on it. Also, I was... My original title for this one was not the FTL thing, though. It was actually originally a shot at the movie Rudy to piss off uh, longtime listener, part-time guest, uh, Eric. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, this is... Uh, I mean, the plot line for this one's really obvious, Jake. I mean, this is this is the A plot. Like, duh. It's A for admissions. Okay. <laughs> Did you figure out the theme yet? <laughs> no, but admittedly, I don't remember what you named the last one. Wow. <laughs> wow. It was failure to launch, green uh-huh. card, and admissions. I, I don't know. They're all named after movies. Okay. Yeah. But I only know of one of those as a movie. Well, that's because you need to expand your repertoire. If you were a true talent like myself, you would have known. Wow. <laughs> uh, listen, I got to keep the bits running, all right? They're on multiple podcasts now. People got to bounce around. They got to go listen to stuff other places. <laughs> you did this. I don't know what you're talking about, David. Oh, you're so full of shit. So this plot line starts with Malcolm on the phone uh, saying that, uh, you know, okay, I'll uh, write that number down. Just let me get a pin. And then not moving. And then after a few seconds saying, okay, can you uh, read that number again? (laughs) And, you know, not writing anything down. (laughs) We'll save it. We'll save it. You know what? We'll talk about it later. All right. Yep. Nope. Then, as he hangs up, Hal, like, walks in, having caught the end of the conversation, and says, if that wasn't a relative, I'm very upset. (laughs) (laughs) I like like the idea of using the kids to, like, screen calls from family. (laughs) Then Malcolm explains, you know, no, it was just another annoying college recruiter, and... Uh, Hal, like, tells him that, uh, you know, when he was uh, getting ready to go to college, he didn't have any recruiters. That, uh, if, In fact, if he hadn't found that ad for his college in a matchbook, then uh, he probably wouldn't have even gone to college. But Malcolm just, like, complains that, you know, yeah, but it's annoying. They call all the time. I get, like, ten calls a day. Oh, no, you poor baby. And Hal tells him, you know, that he should... Uh, take those calls and treat all of these colleges like they're the college he's going to. That way he keeps his options open. And he says, uh, why do you think men date ugly women? Uh, I don't like that comparison, but uh, <laughs> the rest of what he's saying is right. Then the next time we cut this plot line, Malcolm is like walking in and he finds Hal sitting with a college recruiter. Uh, specifically a recruiter from MIT, Mississippi <laughs> Institute of Technology. Dude, that's the second thing I've watched in the last week that's made that joke. Yeah? Yeah, it's also in that uh, uh, video game movie with Adam Sandler. Uh, it came on as I was falling asleep the other night. I cannot remember the name of it, but it's the one where he's like... like uh, Yeah. It, yeah. Kevin I know James is like the about. president. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, uh, maybe, I think so. But yeah, they make that same joke. Okay. And, uh, he, he like, uh, you know, shakes Malcolm's hand and tells him, you know, uh, uh I, I know you're not going to make any decisions today. Not until you come down and try the best catfish in the country. 
which Malcolm like pulls Hal aside and you know tells him, uh, can, "Can we talk really quick?" And as they're like stepping out, Hal asks the recruiter if he can, you know, uh, send some of that catfish uh, uh, to him, you know, frozen. <laughs> then Malcolm uh, tells Hal in the kitchen that you know he doesn't have any interest in this college. He's already told him that that uh, only four colleges have the specific nuclear biology program that he wants to go into and that the uh, Mississippi Institute of Technology and Columbia with a K don't make that list. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know where Columbia with a K is because I have a sneaking suspicion I know and that's not a good sign. (laughs) Well, probably around the same place as the Mississippi Institute of Technology. (laughs) Yep. Oh, yeah. But uh, Hal tells him that he needs a backup plan in case he doesn't, you know, get into those colleges. But Malcolm refuses to talk to the recruiter, so Hal says, fine, then I'll do it for you, and goes back in. And he, like, sits down with his recruiter, and he asks him about his science program. And the recruiter says, you know, oh, well, let me just uh, find my brochure for that real quick. And he, uh, you know, pulls out a keychain in the process while he's... Uh, supposedly looking for it, and gives it to Hal, which, (laughs) of course, delights Hal. (laughs) uh, Hal asks, uh, what else do you got in there? And he pulls out a beer cozy. (laughs) And Hal says, oh, that looks really nice, too. But is it an either-or kind of (laughs) deal? And the recruiter, like, uh, pushes the beer cozy towards Hal. (laughs) Uh, Which is the most, like, dad thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> then we see <laughs> this has progressed as the next time we see Hal he is wearing a Waybridge sweater. <laughs> and he is meeting uh, with two different college recruiters at the same time as he's accidentally double booked them. <laughs> and one of the recruiters uh, tells Hal that you know his school has great sweaters. And these fantastic collapsible umbrellas, which he, like, falls out and starts to give to Hal. But Hal says, yeah, it's not about the merchandise, it's about the education. Of course, learning is easier when you're dry and toasty, and he takes the umbrella. Then he has them, like, you know, talk about their respective schools. And the guy who gave him the umbrella says that the head of their physics department just won a Nobel Prize. And the other recruiter there says that, you know, it's more about results, not awards. Like, for instance, 70% of our graduates help their parents during retirement. (laughs) Which then, like, uh, leads into these two recruiters, like, throwing barbs back and forth. As the first guy uh, says, uh, how do you even get those statistics? And the other guy shoots back saying, your Nobel Prize was shared. (laughs) (laughs) And then it Uh, ends with the uh, first guy's side. Yeah, well, your cyclotron is underfunded. (laughs) Dude, (laughs) those are some of the nerdiest insults I've ever heard, and I love it. Then the phone rings, and Hal answers it, and then, like, very awkwardly, like, gets up and goes to the kitchen to uh, take this call from yet another college recruiter. Uh, Specifically, Barry from Michigan. (laughs) Which, uh, and like, as soon as he says the name, one of the other recruiters from the living room yells, Is that Barry? 
<laughs> then how that's like cover for on the phone call as well saying it doesn't matter who's here then <laughs> the next time we see how he's trying to decide between which of the two coffee mugs he wants to use and he decides on the notre dame cup and he, as he's like uh, pouring his coffee, Malcolm comes in and he apologizes to Hal for not listening to him and says, you know, uh, I thought it through after you know, what you said and it really helped me clear my head and make a decision. Uh, I decided I'm going to Harvard. And Hal says, uh, you didn't make a decision. I have a lobster dinner on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> And he is outraged that Malcolm has chosen Harvard because the Harvard recruiter stood him up in a frozen yogurt shop. But Malcolm tells him that he's going to uh, mail in his, uh, you know, early letter of intent and that, you know, uh, by tomorrow, uh, all of this could be over. And as he's walking away, Hal yells that he's destroyed his life. Then we see Hal at a fancy restaurant having dinner with another recruiter, uh, this one named Vince. And uh, Hal asks, you know, uh, how serious are you about getting Malcolm into your school? And Vince says, well, how serious is this? And pulls a ring out like he's proposing to Hal. <laughs> which Hal gets like very emotional and needs help putting the ring on. <laughs> but their dinner is interrupted as Malcolm comes in and like marches up to their table with his letter to Harvard asking why it was in Hal's secret money drawer. And the recruiter, you know, hearing that this is a letter uh, of intent being sent to Harvard, turns to Hal and says, is this true? And when Hal admits that it is, he, like, holds his hand out for the arena back and leaves. And Malcolm tells Hal, you know, that this isn't your decision, it's mine. But Hal says, uh, I just thought that you needed a cooling off period. You know, two weeks before I married your mother, I almost married some Mexican woman. <laughs> but Malcolm accuses him of selling his future out for sweaters and fancy dinners to which Hal replies I got other stuff and he says you know he was always going to let Malcolm make the final decision he just liked the attention okay he loved the attention and he explains that you know he has been average his whole life and now he's middle-aged and he works at a job where he could be easily replaced and that these, you know, college recruiters made him feel important. That Malcolm is the only important thing he's ever done. And he, like, starts to get emotional and cry. And Malcolm says, you know, you raised me. You deserve the attention. But then Hal <laughs> reveals that that's not why he's crying. He's crying because Vince left the check for him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it had to be a lot. <laughs> And that wraps this episode up. So with that, let's go to our awards. I'm not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awards.
And as usual, we will start with our Roller Skating Keen Award. Our award for the best visual moment. What did you have for this one? So I had to give it to Francis's goatee. <laughs> it's, it, it is the perfect evil twin goatee. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, on a very similar note, I gave it to Francis's shitty apartment. <laughs> uh, fair. It just, like, reminds me so much of, like, every college guy's, like, apartment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Including with the stolen public service thing. Uh-huh. Usually it's, like, a stop sign or something, but yeah, yeah, yeah. In our dorm room, it was a traffic cone that we drew an angry face on. Okay. I think I've been in four different dorm rooms that all had either a stop sign or a yield sign, but yeah. That sounds about right. And what did you give your hot dog with mustard award? Your award for the best line. Uh, I ended up going with Lois talking to Hal. <laughs> They're talking about Reese. And uh, Lois looks after Hal says that uh, our Reese is gone. Lois says she has broken his spirit. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's just, it's such a lowest, like, crazy mom line to say, and I love it. Fair. Uh, I also went with a lowest line for my award. Uh, I, mine comes from the start of the episode, and it's, That old reptile, I can't believe her leg hasn't grown back. Uh, <laughs> Jake, that was my backup. <laughs> Dude, that... Like I said, I think that might be my favorite insult that she's ever said for Ida. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, moving on, which of these plot lines did you give the A plot of your heart? I gave it to the the A plot. I, I thought the... I originally was going to do Francis and Dewey, because I think that's like... I think it's my favorite uh, like little short... I don't know, like... Man, I'm still vacillating. Like, I wrote down the A plot, but I still am vacillating between, like, because I love the stuff between Hal and the recruiters. But, man, Francis and Dewey's interactions are also so funny. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna stick to my guns, and I'm going to say the A plot. Uh, okay, fair enough. Uh, I did go with the uh, FTL plot. Oh, dude, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, and, and I do love the dynamic between... Dewey and Francis, which we only get to see occasionally. Uh, I think especially here, as Dewey has matured and Francis hasn't. It's especially just <laughs> fantastic to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. I, Man, I'm not going to lie. I think the only thing that kept me from picking this for more awards was the fact that the evil like twin goatee made me... I literally was through the whole thing. I was thinking, oh, God, I'm glad Eric isn't on for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love him to death, but, God, this would just be more proof. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Between that and the Notre Dame cop, it, it did feel weird that he wasn't in this episode. <laughs> right? <laughs> Okay, well, uh, who did you choose for your top skate dog, your favorite character? Uh, I did go with Hal, just because I, I always love, like, vulnerable Hal, for one. But also, like, I just, I love the idea of Hal sitting here and, like, schmoozing with these colleges and stuff. Like, 
quote unquote on Malcolm's behalf and you know taking all these meetings and stuff like what did what were the rest of those meetings like <laughs> fair <laughs> uh yeah i i also have hal as my top skate dog well i like the other plot line more uh but yeah the, i think just like from an individual character standpoint i think hal is the best the, the, the other plot line like works because of the dynamic between the characters but this plot line's kind of just a uh let brian cranston do brian cranston stuff which yeah is great. <laughs> i i do it's so funny <laughs> and i love dude even god he's got just such good command of his body language and his posturing and like when he's trying to like be pretentious it's just so good well david was it good enough to earn him your cloris leachman award your award for the best acting it was not okay because while he was amazing i think christopher masterson did an even better job of portraying not only to quote you the college dorm room lifestyle but i think the the turnaround and and just the the way his face is communicating to dewey like kind of that whole you know you get the relief sort of that like isn't being verbally said and you also kind of get like a little bit of a I, I told you so, smirk. But you also, I don't know, you get to see him sort of, like, go through this decline in this episode where his desperation somehow gets worse than when we first get there. And I, I think he did a really good job of uh, portraying that and sort of that, I don't know, I he just, he reminds me of a legitimate, believable, like, failure to launch bum because i've known a couple of them and boy did he act just like him fair enough i went with eric per sullivan for this that's fair for like portraying that like growing disillusionment with francis's lifestyle <laughs> and, and just like uh conveying you know that this kid who's like you know seen his hero brother like knocked off his pedestal by like recognizing the reality of his situation and then having to be the mature one despite being 12 years old is uh just like done so well oh how our heroes have fallen jake and then you get the you know reverse at the end <laughs> yes <laughs> as we see him then you know doing a complete 180 on that position and uh, realizing, you know what? Actually, maybe Francis is right. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to strive to be exactly like this. <laughs> God. Oh. Yeah, ends up corrupting Dewey by doing the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> True Wilkerson fashion. <laughs> and who did you give your Mrs. Dabney Award? Your award for the worst parent. Oh, how? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Even setting aside the college recruiter stuff, he forgot two of his sons existed. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. 
can't can't give it to you this time, buddy. And what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the momenter detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release. Uh, physically stealing your neighbor's cable by just unscrewing the line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was also my first choice. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen that in years. I used to have a buddy who, like, his neighbor was, like, a traveling, like, salesman or something. And they would know whenever he was out of town. And they would go and, like, they'd claim they had his permission. I don't know if it's true or not. But, yeah, they'd go unhook the cable from his house and hook it up to theirs. And it would work. Like, yeah. you could just do that that doesn't work now like it has to go through like the switch boxes and stuff you can't just grab the cable and hook it up to yours and uh yeah well, my uh back up for that because that was my first choice was dewey's velcro wallet <laughs> oh god <laughs> <laughs> oh dude i saw somebody the other day and all i could think of was like they were a 90s throwback and or petitioning for one of these awards because like they had the full on like um you remember the like almost parachute pants but not quite they were like yep. yeah yeah like the vinyl jinko jeans that were all like super colorful uh -huh. they had those and like the the like yellow and red like hot dog on a stick fucking which i know is a local chain i'm pretty sure but it's a national chain was it okay yeah. had like one of those hats on backwards and had the like taco bell color like man remember what taco bell looked like in the 90s uh so fucking cool that's how it looked <laughs> he had that like jacket on and then the fucking velcro wallet dude and all i could think was that is the most 90s thing i've ever fucking seen in my life it was so strange seeing somebody out like in the wild dressed that way in 2023 in the middle of the country like <laughs> i mean I, I i think you just met uh the coolest guy in the world david that's what it sounds like to me <laughs> i don't know if i go like that far jake but... no that guy sounds awesome <laughs> uh he was awesome in 1990 <laughs> which makes him awesome today david <laughs> arguably more so He's <laughs> the last of his kind. That's for sure. He's bro. like the 90s Highlander. It was really funny, too, because he was walking in a hot topic, and I was like, that doesn't go together. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he's transitioning from a 90s guy into a 2000s guy. Oh, no. He's going to go goth. <laughs> he's going to get some trip fans. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna have band t-shirts only <laughs> oh no he's gonna turn into me <laughs> oh god <laughs> he's gonna buy the exact disturbed wallet i've had since middle school <laughs> oh bro you legitimately have had that thing for fucking forever yeah it's the only wallet i've ever owned yeah i and i i the stupid velcro wallet sent me down the stupid fucking trail but man it was just, it's the most surreal thing to see that, like, in real life anymore now. Fair. I, it also made me feel super old. <laughs> uh, but this dude wasn't. That's the thing. Like, it, it also kind of had that, like, 
I don't want to. I don't want to say it that way because that's good. Fuck it. I'm just gonna say it, and then y'all can le- yell at me later. It almost had like that feeling of like cultural appropriation because the kid was like 18, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, from what I understand, like 90s fashion is like the the big like nostalgia thing now for like you know kids who weren't born in the 90s. You the, the, didn't the 2000s earn that. Kids. <laughs> 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 Give it back. Go for it. It's way better than 80s nostalgia. Uh, mm, eh. No, 80s stuff is so much more boring. Uh, 90s nostalgia is where it's at. 90s was insane, though. Exactly. It ruled. It was so nuts. That it, specifically the exact kind of nineties aesthetic you're describing. Yeah, like if we <laughs> stick with that, I'm okay with it. But like, dude, there's some stuff in the nineties I don't like. If I never see Flava Flav do his giant clock thing again, that'd be great. Mm, hard disagree. Uh, <laughs> dude, I don't know why that guy was so popular. Uh, because he looked awesome, David. He had a giant clock. He was mostly popular for being unpopular, which no. name a more famous hype man, David. Exactly. I mean, you know what, Jake? I guess you're right. <laughs> There's not a more famous hype man, but should there be? <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I. God, dude. I just, I, man. <laughs> Maybe it's just a sign that I'm getting older, but dude, there's so many times now I see shit from the 90s and I went, man, I'm glad I wasn't cool in the 90s. Hard disagree, David. Uh, <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> uh, maybe that's just it. You should have been like an 80s baby so that you could have been cool in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. So, so I could have, like, ha- you know, made my own choices about, yeah. like, what I was wearing. And like, oh, absolutely. I would have been the best. <laughs> We've been so oh, good at it. Oh, God. You... <laughs> yeah, I guess. Probably, because you'd have looked insane. <laughs> oh. when, when I watch Romeo plus Juliet, that's like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's how people should dress. They were right. <laughs> oh, God. Romeo plus Juliet. Dude, like, I hate the memories that you're bringing back right now. <laughs> God, we got off such a tangent here, but I just like, oh, I just couldn't believe that I saw an 18 year old kid running around in stuff from my childhood. It was weird. Uh, now, I know, now I know how all those washed up Miami Vice and Magnum PI guys felt when Ska appropriated the Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> i mean uh, well yeah, the, the whole the whole hawaiian shirt thing, that that's a whole thing <laughs> i know but still but uh all right let's let's move on to our last awards here yeah so, uh, who did you have as your least shitty kid this episode a least shitty kid yep. i actually had reese as did i Okay, look at that. You're getting more reasonable now. No, well, I mean he's pretty much just like the victim this episode. Yeah, doesn't really do anything, Shitty. I agree, but you have definitely uh, victim shamed Reese before. Well, no, 
Usually I'm standing up for Reese's victims. Well, <laughs> well, I don't know if I go that far. There's a difference. Mm, I don't know if I go that far. Standing up for is a, a stretch there sometimes, Jake. <laughs> but, yeah, that's fair. I don't literally stand up. Yeah, yeah that's too much work for you. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think, I think he's the victim. I think he's also, like, he's just, he's good i mean he's trying to do the right thing yeah he gets duped and some really super shitty stuff happens to him and stuff but like what he's trying to do is legitimately good uh yeah yeah and like the closest thing to like a shitty thing he does is like take food from the house but even that like he does still basically love there right like, and he is still he, their kid like <laughs> and he repays them Jake. yeah 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 and, and that's what i was going to say like and even that like he ends up you know exactly repaying so yeah yeah but I, I think reese is the clear choice here yeah i agree and who did you have as shittiest kid uh, well, I mean, this is pretty easy for me. I know you're probably going to be d delusional with it, but, uh, this is Malcolm. Okay. Well, wh why'd you go with Malcolm? Because he's an ungrateful little shit. <laughs> Listen, Hal's behavior might not have been good, might not be right, but Malcolm literally has colleges that all kinds of other people are, would be begging to have an opportunity to get into trying to vie for his chance to go there and he doesn't even like dignify them with like honesty or hearing them out or anything like he's taking once again shit that his privilege because of his brain it, it would not be afforded to other people and just shitting all over it and i hate that okay no i, I can see that but it uh did, did not prompt me to give him shittiest of course. I know who you're going to pick then, I bet. Who, who do you think I went with, David? Uh, you went with uh, Francis, the hero. Incorrect. Oh, no. I, you I did went not with choose Dewey. Dewey. No. Kid. What? For the ending, specifically. Because Dewey has learned the wrong lesson from Francis. Yeah, but that's that's on Francis. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Fran no, no, no. Francis didn't teach him the lesson. Dewey learned it on his own. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, so we're going to start blaming him for being dumb? This is the Wilkerson's. Look, Dewey needs to realize that not everyone can be a Francis. Look, you need to <laughs> stop the Francis and Dewey hate right now. I'm not hating on Francis. There's a reason I didn't choose Francis as shittiest kid. Because that's the thing about Francis, is that things will work out for Francis. He's Francis. <laughs> but Dewey is not a Francis. I This approach right to life now. is not going to work out I, for him. Of course it's not. But th that's one shitty thing in the entire episode. Everything else he does is so good. True. Malcolm shit on every single person who wasn't him? <laughs> eh, no, he was annoyed with the particulars of the situation. And then acted like a spoiled brat about it. Did he? Yeah. How so? By completely disregarding and neglecting it. Also, 
to just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not going to give any consideration or thought to this. I'm just going to send this letter of pre-acceptance to Harvard and I'm just going to go there. Like, the fucking... Well, yeah, that, that means that like kid. that that he's been accepted there, like that they are one of the colleges recruiting him. I I know they are. Like it's it's not like he's presuming that. No, no, it's that's not what I'm saying. It's the flippant attitude about it. Like there is no gratitude or appreciation in Malcolm at all in this plotline. Little shit. I mean, he, he, like we've seen through the entire show that like he has worked towards this, and. I'm not saying that it just fell into his lap. Of course he worked hard for it, but there's still no like gratitude or appreciation for anything in his life ever, including this. Uh, what what would you have wanted him to do different then? Not be a little shit. Oh, okay. Like no, I mean the whole blowing like everything and everyone off. Like okay, like I I get you don't have to entertain every school, okay? Because in this scenario, somehow Malcolm is being like vied over from literally like every school, apparently. But like at least be an adult, be rational and take a couple meetings and actually take the process seriously. That's what I would have wanted from him. He didn't do that at all. I, I guess like I, I can see that, but I think I think the issue that I have is that, college recruiters are not that <laughs> like entertaining that is not a part of rationally doing that process <laughs> like looking at it from essentially in this episode malcolm is being treated like a star athlete like that, that that's clearly like the the college recruiter like thing they're going with and like those meetings aren't a good thing <laughs> like they are there to do exactly what hal is doing they're there as like a we're going to bribe this person into going to our college Right. Regardless of whether it's the right decision or not. So I, I don't I see him blowing that off as him doing the rational responsible thing in this situation. It can be that, but they're not always that. Like there's a lot of discussion and actual, you know, research and things that you can do when considering a college. True. And I, I guess I do kind of assume that he has already done that because he already knows like these are these specific colleges that have the program that I want to go into. Right. Like we don't see him do that, but we have evidence that he has done that. Uh, to some extent, sure, but it he, like for him to then just blow everything up. Like if he'd have been I guess if they'd have shown or like shown us something of him actually like considering which of the 3 he wanted to go to or something like that, then may- maybe but I don't know. It just seems very flippant, and uh, it just seems very much so lacking in any form of gratitude or realization of how lucky he is. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that to some extent, but not enough to, like, completely shit on. I, I honestly struggle with shittiest kid this episode, because I didn't see any of them as really shitty. <laughs> I just, I think that that lack of gratitude makes him worse than Dewey who literally does one bad thing to his multiple good things. Yeah, I, I, I guess, but I, it also gets into the, I have a harder time choosing them when they're being sort of treated shittily, especially by their parents. And like, Hal is directly using Malcolm in this episode. Yeah, I agree. Hal is awful, but I don't think that that takes away from Malcolm. And his responsibility. Fair enough. 
Again, I I can understand the choice, but uh, it uh, just uh, doesn't doesn't feel quite right for me. <laughs> like uh, um, Malcolm's like shittiness feels too based on like attitude, I guess, which I don't weigh as strongly as like a concrete like choice about like this is how I'm going to live my life. I don't know. I I just can't get past how flippant he seems, man. Like, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I, and and admittedly, maybe it's some of my own bias showing. Like, I was never offered a full ride to that nice a school, but like, I was offered a full ride scholarship, and then things happened, and I wasn't able to go down that path in life. So to see people like not have gratitude for that and literally have something I had to fight for handed to them. Like, go fuck yourself when you aren't grateful for it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, I guess. But, like, <laughs> I, I don't know how, like, you... Like, I, I don't know how that works in a sitcom. <laughs> like, I don't know how you can see that in a sitcom in a way that makes sense. Is, <laughs> I guess, the issue that I have. <laughs> I don't know that I could write it better. That's not the... That's not what we're yeah, yeah, yeah. grading no, I, I, I get you. Okay? <laughs> we're grading who was the shittiest kid, Jake, which was Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that wraps up our awards. Uh, but we have a couple of segments left, beginning with the Cranston Connection, as we have determined that in some form or fashion, all of the characters played by Brian Cranston, including the actor Brian Cranston, are in some form or fashion the same character. And, in fact, in this episode, we see some of the character of Brian Cranston <laughs> seeping into the character of Hal, both of which are equally real that's right <laughs> as when hal is talking about you know his his own experiences you know with higher education and you know talking about how he didn't have recruiters coming for him uh he says that you know he found his college uh in a matchbook which uh is very in line with the college that one brian cranston actually went to Oh, which no is way. the Los Angeles Valley College, which is a, like, community college that if you look up their history on Wikipedia, most of the history of the college is about a murder that happened in their parking lot when a drug deal went wrong. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Another murder? Uh, this was well after he was there. It was in, like, oh, the okay. 2000s. <laughs> Okay, I was going to say, hmm, we got a Garth Brooks scenario going on here? Uh, I was definitely hoping when I saw that that the dates would line up, but they do not. Oh, God. But <laughs> it, it does provide evidence that when Hal is, you know, thinking about his past and sort of looking into the middle distance there, the college he is thinking about is, in fact, the college attended by Brian Cranston, one of his many false identities yeah you know that tracks <laughs> <laughs> and that just leaves david's guessing game but you did fairly well on this one yeah i'm just not confident about the next one <laughs> as uh you said that malcolm would uh like go through a tour of meetings with various colleges with hal 
which I gave you partial credit for, because, uh, well, you know, Malcolm wasn't really engaged with this process. Hal very much was. And you, uh, thought that Malcolm would not decide on a college in this episode, which I knocked points off of for. But you were correct that uh, Raduka would appear again and that she would, uh, as you put it, abuse Reese into being a good <laughs> husband. Uh, yeah, that didn't quite go the way I thought it was going to go, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you're also correct that, uh, in that process, Reese would, uh, take it and <laughs> would be a good whipping boy for her, uh, which was the case. Uh, and you rolled a die to decide if Francis would show up or not. I sure did. And the dice benefited you as <laughs> you did guess that Francis would appear, and he did. Yeah. Uh, so with all of that, I gave you an 85% this. Hell yeah. But what do you think happens next week in Mono? Uh, well, Malcolm's gonna get Mono, obviously. Because, you know, the least kissable is always gonna be the one who gets the kissing disease. Okay. What the fuck? It's Mono. It's gonna be an episode about a kid having Mono. Like, high 90s, your trope is calling. Fuck. I don't know. I mean, we're not gonna see Francis, obviously, because he's touring with uh, Ass Bandit in Europe. <laughs> He sure is. I'm trying to think if I can guess anything else from what's... I don't... Raduka won't be back. Okay. No way No way. Lois allows that to continue. Reese might be dumb enough to forgive and, and move on with that and believe whatever she said, but Lois knows better. So I think no Raduka, no Francis. I think, yeah, Malcolm's getting it mono and... Well, what do you think Malcolm's going to do while he's stuck at home with mono? Gonna be in bed. Duh. Yeah, I mean, it's just gonna be, you know, kind of quarantined in the room. I'm sure it's gonna have some focus on him going nuts, having to deal with it. And, oh, you know what? This is pre-COVID. That sure is. My mind automatically goes to, like, yeah, everyone's used to, everyone's used to quarantining. <laughs> um, shit. Yeah, I think, I think you're gonna see a lot of, like, panic from Hal and, you know, like, improvised masks and the whole Lysol treatment to the whole house, you know, stuff like that that you used to get. And I think, yeah, we're going to see Malcolm, like, shoved in a room or maybe they're going to turn, like, a closet into a room to keep him away from the other boys or maybe the boys have to go camp or something. I don't know. But, like, old school, you know, classic 90s problem solving. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got. Thanks for listening. As always, thanks and credit to Jacob Newfeld, who does our intro and outro music. If you would like to find links to more of his music, you can find that in the episode descriptions. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you enjoy the banter back and forth and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash lpdeathray, where we make a whole bunch of other content, we interact with chat, and we, in general, have a good time. And as always, remember, life is unfair. And I can't wait for our friend Jesse to find out about this at the end of his podcast listening. You know, the beginning of how we started this show. 
I, I'm trying to remember how he's listening to the podcast. I don't know if that tracks. <laughs> I don't know. I, listen, I, he explained it in such a weird way. He's listening backwards, but not. Can't, well, he's. I, I think he's just watching, <laughs> listening to the podcast in reverse order, but he's watching the show, like, in some weird order, I think. Reverse season forward. I don't know. Listen, don't... it sounds like a weird, like, Karma Sutra kind of fucking thing. He's doing it wrong. That's what matters. <laughs> uh, bro, straight up. I, I didn't think there was a wrong way to listen to podcasts, but he, he has proven that there is. Yeah, and I don't know if he's going to listen to this at the end. Like, a, like, is he listening to this when this comes out, or is he listening to this in, like, eight months? Yeah, that, that's that's what I don't know. Right? Because I think he's just listening in reverse order, but I don't know if he's, like, going back when new episodes come out. I don't know. <laughs> don't listen. If you listen to podcasts that way, email us. Let us know, because I don't get it. Look, I, I understand listening to a podcast, like, starting with the newest thing. That actually does make sense to me, depending on the podcast. If you're, only, if you're not going to go back... Where he loses me is that he's watching the show as well, but he's not watching it in the same order that he's listening. That's that's the part. <laughs> it's too far. None of it makes sense to me, dude. <laughs> None of it makes sense to me. I I cannot fathom picking something up. I'm too much of a completionist. I can't, like, oh, I'm going to listen to this episode and then... Listen backwards, so I'm gonna listen to all the stuff like it's unraveling. No, it it literally goes from more complicated to 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 shittier. Like things improve over time. Uh -huh. In theory, <laughs> this show's gotten more convoluted. I don't know if it's gotten better or not. <laughs> listen, listen, we're not counting Eric appearances. All right. Oh. Okay. <laughs> 